Hello and welcome to the seventh series podcast, where we talk about Ashtanga yoga and family life. The show is produced in Melbourne, Australia, by me, your host, Gaynor Stanisich. Hello, and thanks for joining me. In this episode, I speak to Karen Grenfell. She is one of the few certified Ashtanga yoga teachers globally and lives in Melbourne, Australia. Karen shares her journey into motherhood after dedicating herself to her yoga practice. As she grew older, she felt pressure from others asking if she would start a family. After some consideration, Karen and her partner Travis had a son, Hamish. Karen shares her journey through building an advanced yoga practice, her pregnancy and birth. She also shares her approach to parenting, holding space for her son as he learns his emotions. I hope you enjoy this episode. Before beginning, this episode contains content that may be sensitive to some listeners. You may choose not to listen to this episode. Karen has been travelling to Mysore since 1998 and her story is connected to Patabi Joyce. During classes under the pretense of adjustments to assist the student further in a posture, Patabi Joyce touched the genitals and breasts of students. This abuse was confirmed by Sharat Joyce through his Instagram account in 2019. Karen's story paints Patabi Joyce in a different light, one as her teacher and not of an abuser. This should not detract from the true narrative, the narrative of his victims and what they've endured. For more information on this subject, I encourage you to speak to your teacher. If you do not have a teacher or someone within the community for support, you're able to contact me and I will direct you to some supportive resources. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Gaynor. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. To start off with, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, who's in your family and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I live in Melbourne, Australia and in the suburb of Kew. Um, I have a six-year-old son called Hamish and my partner is Travis and I also have a stepdaughter, Bess, who's 15. Yeah, I'm a yoga teacher. I've been teaching in Melbourne since about 2002, so it's about 18 years or so now. Tell us a little bit about when you first started Ashtanga Yoga. Yeah, it was a pretty good time of my life, really. I was 26. I was previously a nurse, so I'd um, gone on this worldwide journey with a couple of friends when I was 25, and we'd travelled through India and the Middle East and saw some amazing things. And at that stage, I was practicing Iyengar yoga because I just was wanted to deal with my stress. That was all that I could find in Melbourne before we left. And then I landed in London. I stayed in London for 12 months and was nursing there. And during that, I was really keen after spending about 10 months in India, just traveling, I was really keen to get into some more yoga. And I thought that Iyengar yoga was all that it was. And then I did, I was doing Iyengar yoga with a teacher and then he was a New Zealander and he went home to New Zealand and he said oh you should try this teacher out he's um teaching this style of yoga called Ashtanga yoga his name's John Scott and I was like oh what's Ashtanga yoga you know he's John Scott or whatever and um, he said I'll oh, just go along and see what you think and so I did I did a John was doing these weekend workshops after that workshop I was just hooked and I started my source style classes the following Monday that was early 97. Was that John Scott's Mysore program? It was, no, it was pretty much he did it. It was in Farringdon in London 
and it was up in this old attic and, geez, it was cold some mornings. It was really cold. Yeah, it was just his and he was doing this partnership a bit with Shandor Ramete, you know, the guy that did the Nada Shadow Yoga. Yeah, we had sort of a partnership with him because Shandor was sort of doing Ashtanga Yoga back then and, you know, I did a few retreats with John and Shandor and we'd do the primary series in the morning with John and then Shandor would sort of go over the primary series in depth in the afternoon, which was fantastic and it felt like a real... A real great year because John being there, he'd get a lot of people passing through. So that year, my first year of doing Ashtanga Yoga, I was doing five days a week, Mysore style. And then you'd have people coming through like Graham Northfield and Annie Pace, Lino, and all these different people would come and do a teach a week of his Mysore classes. By the end of that year, I was just like, I've got to go to Mysore. I just loved it so much that I just was like, that was the place for me to go. How far into your practice were you when you first went to Mysore? So I've been practicing with John like probably for about 10 months and then I went to India and I did two months with Lino Miele and Gwendolyn Hunt when they were teaching together down in Kovalam. And I think at that stage I was going through to Danarasana in the intermediate series and then I went with Lino and Gwendolyn up to Mysore and this was just very early 98 and I did two months in Mysore with Guruji and Sharat then and on that trip during those two months it was in the old Shala and Guruji took me up to Danarasana. Was that back when there was a kind of a different sort of sequence? No that was before my time yeah it was all the same there was still some controversy about the John Scott handstands you know in Rasarita Padottanasana I think it was. He never taught that to me and um Actually, do you know what I was doing, though, what I learned from John back then? I was doing full vinyasa between every posture. (laughs) Oh, geez. Like, lucky I was 26. Like, I had a lot of energy and I was nursing as well, often doing late shifts. And then I'd be getting up in the morning to catch the tube to Farringdon and doing an hour and a half, two hours primary series. Yeah, so John taught me pose by pose during that 10-month period. He didn't, I wasn't given the whole thing or anything like that. He did pose by pose and slowly built me up doing full vinyasa. And then when I got to Mysore for the first time, Guruji actually told me not even to, he said, don't, don't jump back. Basically he said, tell me not to jump back even between sides back then. Maybe he just saw I was a bit too exhausted from all my full vinyasa I'd been doing. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling to go into that room and I remember my first experience you know on the first day sort of I was at the end of the line going up the stairs and you know as the last person to practice being the latest arrival and you know Guruji was sort of walking through to his front room to get his coffee and disappear for a while and then come back it was just such an amazing energy just to be in that room and to be with Guruji and Sharat. I can remember finishing up my practice for a few weeks there and I'd be you know just be me and another person in the in the room and you know the sun would be up and everyone else would be off having breakfast and I'd just still be plodding along taking it slowly and um yeah I just loved that sense with the old shallow though it was very much in-house you know you felt like you were in their home and you know would it be Saraswati was making sambar or something like that in the kitchen or Guruji was out the front having coffee you were just sort of you were practicing in the back. It's just like this home style and this home life going on at the same time. It actually made me quite homesick back then. What year was that that you went to Mysore? That was early, early 98. So how many trips have you taken to Mysore? Well, my last one was in 2016. So I think I've had about 15 or 16 trips. 
So the first trip you did, how many months were you there for? Two. I was meant to be there for four months. I'd signed myself up for four. But at that stage, I'd been away from Australia and away from my home for just over two years. And I was getting incredibly homesick. And, um, you know, funnily enough, uh, you know, all of that home cooking that was going on in the shala, <laughs> it made me so homesick. I'd lay in Shavasana upstairs just crying because I wanted to go home. Not that I wasn't enjoying it, but I just felt so homesick. So I uh, I cut my trip short by two months and went home. And uh, it was it was very happy I did that. Lots of deep backbending. I felt from the very beginning with Guruji and with Sharad and with Saraswati, there's just a deep sense of, of love there and I've, I've always felt very supported, yeah, very much loved. When did you start teaching? Yeah, I started teaching in 2000 and I did a couple of little things in 2000 and 2001, but I guess I started teaching full-time really in 2002. Guruji authorised me in 2001 Back then it was just a handwritten letter that I wrote out twice. He signed it and kept a copy and I kept a copy. 2002, I started full-time. And were you still nursing at that point? Yeah, no, I let that go. I decided that um, I wanted to be able to do it well. I wanted to offer five, six days a week Mysore style and I couldn't do that as well as do nursing. So, yeah. So while you were teaching, you were still taking your trips to Mysore? You know, back in those early days, I would just say I'm going, you know, <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't organise for anyone to cover for me or anything like that. And it was often during um, the Australian winter, so I'd often try to go, you know, June, July, August or July, August, September because back then I still teach during that time. I just shut up shop, really, and go. I moved into the city to start teaching at a place called Studio Cirque in about 2002 or three. When I did that, I started getting people to teach for me. I'd usually go back to Mysore for two, two to three months at a time. So aside from your initial introduction to the practice with John Scott, you've pretty much been doing self-practice but then going to Mysore and having either Patabi Joyce or Sherad as your teacher, is that right? That's right. In a, in 99, I did go up and spend a couple of months with Dina and did a, yeah, a couple of months with her. Yeah, but other than that, I basically learnt the practice from um, Patabi Joyce and Sherat. And more recently, I've also, for 11 years, I've invited Peter Sanson to come to Melbourne to do workshops. I've also gone to New Zealand, so he's also been a great support in practice as well. What did your practice look like back in the heyday? My whole life revolved around my yoga practice, going to Mysore. And then, you know, in the 2000s, I late 20s, early 30s, I started studying Sanskrit and Indian studies at La Trobe University as well, all inspired by my time in Mysore. So my practice, my physical practice, you know, Guruji started me. I, I went through primary series and intermediate and 2001 I was in Mysore and Guruji started me on the advanced um, series then, on third series. And then for the next 12 years <laughs> I slowly learnt the advanced series, one pose by pose at a time. So 2012 I completed advanced and that was when uh, Sharat certified me but yeah you know really until I had Hamish you know I was either practicing intermediate or advanced nearly every day and felt pretty good about it basically <laughs> it was pretty good being in Mysore and learning advanced over those 12 years you know I was doing so that means I was doing full intermediate first and then slowly adding on posture by posture of advanced so I did, it was intermediate, and basically I was halfway through 
the advanced series when Sharat split me. But yeah, you know, it felt pretty good for those years and I had a lot of energy for my, my practice. And when did you meet Travis? Ah, yeah, when I was 35. Yeah, he, I announced to him very soon after we met that I was going to Mysore. Um, basically, I was planning to go to Mysore that August. So I was like, you know, this is what I'm doing, basically. Um, I'll be gone for, you know, two months, I think I was planning at that stage. Do you want to come? <laughs> Do you want to come for a month? And he was pretty intrigued. He had a um, he had a home yoga practice before he met me, for sort of a home Iyengar style practice. So yeah, he was pretty keen to see what Ishtanga practice was all about. So he he came over, I just think, for a couple of weeks on that first trip. Since then, he's accompanied me or he's come and seen me on pretty much every trip and he's practiced also with Saraswati on about three occasions as well. And does he still practice now? Uh, Yeah, he does. He mixes it with a bit of qigong. It's, uh, yeah, he does practice and we try to support each other in our practice. So he, come Sunday afternoon, if we haven't practiced in the morning, which we often don't practice in the morning on Sunday, we're like, oh, we really need to practice. So we'll try to give each other at least 45 minutes each to go and to go and do a bit. But yeah, no, he he does practice. And he's always been a very keen um, meditator as well and has a strong meditation practice. Um, So he really sees the benefit. Tell us a little bit about when you started your family. Was it something that you'd planned? Well, yes. <laughs> well, I would come, I was 39, I guess, and Travis already had Bess. You know, it's, you get to around 40 or between 35 and 40 and everyone keeps, you know, starts talking to you like, do you want to have kids? Like, you know, because if you do, it's, you've got to do it now kind of thing. And I felt it was kind of stressful in a way, all of that talk. And I used to shut it out quite a lot. I thought, no, I just want to do my practice. I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. Travis was actually really quite instrumental in this, is just to really help me to really sort of have a think about what I wanted and if I did want to have children or not. And, you know, we sort of had a quite a few chats about that together. And, you know, sort of came to the to the conclusion that I did. And so we were sort of working along down those lines, but hadn't actually done any planning and I fell pregnant. And I was practicing full advanced at that stage and everything like that. Yeah, I was sort of wondering why I started feeling so tired. I was like, I want to just lie down in the middle of my practice. And I was just like, oh, there you go. I'm pregnant. What happened then? Did you take your first trimester off? Yes, I did. Yeah, I was so tired. And I'd often, because I was teaching, my usual routine would be to teach from 6 till 9 a.m., and then I would have a small break, but basically hop straight on the mat and do my own practice straight after that. And then once I, you know, second month, first trimester, I just, it all just came down. I just would lay down on my mat basically and rest. And really, I really did take, yeah, I took the first trimester off. I mean, I still did a few little um, stretches and things like that. And Occasionally, I you know did a few sun salutations, but I just tried to really really rest and take care because you know, that was very clear directive as well from my teachers and everything that I just had to rest basically, <laughs> take care of myself, go for some walks. When you say your teachers, who are you referring to there? I'm referring to you know Patabi Joyce and Sharat. I wasn't really in touch with other teachers at that point in time, so. Yeah, I was just going on what was happening. You know, what I knew was the expected norm in the Ashtanga world at that point. Yeah, so, and it worked. And it really, you know, I just felt so tired. And, and also because I was teaching, I was still getting up every morning at 10 to 5 and, and you know, having to manage that. So I, it was just a real time, you know, not practicing, just actually starting to turn my ear 
to the inside and sort of listening to what was going on for myself and a real sort of nurturing time I think and just to feel that aspect of nature really taking over my body and not being in control of it anymore which I think is um is a really great lesson in pregnancy and really great to take some time out to to feel that and hear it. When you passed your first trimester did you return to practice? I did to a degree that I could um you know again it was because I was still I was teaching like three hours every morning. I'd come in and stand on my mat and I'd just do what I could. You know, I wasn't doing any twists. I wasn't doing any jumping. I wasn't, I was trying not to push myself or strain myself in any way. I can remember around 16 weeks, I started to experience some, on backbending, I'd experienced some quite intense sensations in my lower abdomen, in the lower muscles. And that signaled to me that I wasn't to do them anymore. I stopped because it was just a feeling that like, oh, no, that's that's not a good feeling. Um, so I did stop. And, you know, I kept on just modifying, modifying, modifying all the way through. You know, I kept practicing right up until I gave birth. But I wasn't, my practice was a very modified practice according to where I was at. And did you stick to primary or did you still include some of your intermediate and advanced postures? Oh, I stuck to primary. I think back in the early days I might have done a few intermediate, uh, some of the twists and things, but really I let go of it. As soon as I heard I was pregnant, I stopped doing any advanced practice and I mostly just stuck in, in um, primary. Do you think being a little bit older as well, you were more cautious Probably, you know, I was so I was 40 when I got pregnant and was going through my pregnancy. Um, maybe, but I, I just didn't want, you know, my body had been pretty good in practice and all through, you know, my body has served me well, basically. And I just felt this real sense that it was being now, my body was being, was doing something really amazing. And it, it was just going on this different different path and I just didn't really have much control over that because you know, I couldn't stop I'd started this process and now I just couldn't stop it it was just whatever I do I did you know we were going on this path of pregnancy <laughs> whatever might happen at the end happens so I just really had a sense of quite a lot of letting go and I think I was really ready for that as well was, that time in my life I was ready for that change so having a nurse background, but then also being a yogi, what was your expectation of what kind of birth you might have? Were you looking at having a home birth or were you expecting to go into a hospital? Mm. Yeah, I was never expecting to have a home birth. I think, you know, maybe being a nurse and having that sort of understanding of the health system. Yeah, I was always planning to go into a hospital. So, but I did have a very a gentle experience. I went into the home birthing unit at the Austin Hospital, which was our local hospital. Um, so these are units that really run by midwives and really went along natural birthing methods as much as possible. And through my whole prenatal period, I was only ever seeing a midwife. They labelled me as low risk anyway. I didn't have any health issues at all. It was really nice and they were, it was all meant to be much more natural. You know, the midwives were very much, I was seeing them on a regular basis and when it came to going into the birthing unit for the birth, the idea was that they would be there and they'd know me and to support me in that way. And it just was, you know, there was a big, a massive bath in there. The rooms were set up more like a home situation so Travis could be there as well. It just basically wasn't like a hospital. And I really, um, 
I really wanted a natural birth as much as possible. But I, I guess with my nursing background, I know that when I was completely aware that if need be, I would also have a cesarean and I'd be completely fine with that as well because um, sometimes it just has to go that way. But, you know, I, I just wanted to have a natural birth. I, wanted to, I didn't want to have any analgesia, any pain relief at all. Um, I wanted it to be as calm as possible, really, don't we all? It would have helped to having that nursing background to understand all the different interventions that can happen. Yeah, so I wasn't scared of them, you know, like because I used to actually work at the women's hospital and used to be a scrub nurse in with doing um, cesarean sections and things like that and in the recovery room as well. So, you know, you just know that sometimes you just have to go there and, then you know, it's just all for the best really. But I just, uh, for myself, I wanted to give myself the opportunity to be as natural as possible. But at the same time, I didn't have any fear, I guess, over the hospital system. And all the midwives, I just came out of my experience in the hospital being complete admiration for all the midwives because, you know, they just do such an amazing job and I just felt so well supported through the whole process. So what were your first signs of labour and how many weeks pregnant were you? Oh, I was 41 and I was huge. I was so massive. <laughs> I, was, I was just so big. It was just crazy. Like, um, you know, I've got quite a, if anyone, I'm quite a small person and I have quite a small waist and so like, this baby was just like all out in front and I'd have, you know, I remember waddling along the street. I'd just been in to see the midwives and past this um, older woman and she was like, you're going to have a boy. <laughs> you're so big. You're going to have a boy. And I was like, yeah, that's what people say. Because I didn't know the sex of it until, um, until he, Hamish was born. By that time I was 41 weeks basically and um, I was just like, when is it going to happen? You know, like I just was going. And also – Two months before I gave birth, I opened up Ashtanga Yoga Melbourne on Flinders Lane. So because I couldn't sleep most nights, you know, like I think I was up at midnight trying to organise people's passes and things like that on the computer. And then I'd gone back to sleep and at 2.30am my waters broke and that was my first sign and that gave me a big shock. <laughs> and, um, and then I just went back to sleep. Travis helped me clean it all up as much as possible you <laughs> try to go back to because that's what they told you to do and of course I wasn't sleeping I was just like what's gonna happen next and um yeah by like six o'clock I was having um contractions look it's hard for me to remember the whole chain of events I can remember it happening very quickly though and Travis bless him was you know trying to make me thought it'd be helpful to have a good breakfast so he cooked me his eggs and toast and I was just like ended up by vomiting the whole thing up everywhere over the carpet <laughs> 10 minutes later and I was in the bath and I was you know outside the bath and then I was just in a pretty I thought you know what the hell's going on here I was completely even though they tell you all about what it feels like I was just completely unprepared for this feeling of labor it was crazy so I ended up by going into the hospital into the birthing unit at about 11am and and Hamish was born at about 8.30 I think that night. It was it's a bit of a blur but um, I had a prolonged second stage apparently. You know, I was in and out of the bath and um, trying to deal with it as best I could and the midwives are great. They're trying to get me into all these different positions and, yeah, it was just crazy really. It's crazy what the body can do. <laughs> it's, amazing. It's, it's amazing. And um, about 7.30 I think a um, obstetrician came and gave me a review and they said that, you know, the head's right there and basically they took me through to the hospital side and decided that I needed a little bit more of a help along. So had a bit of assistance from 
the obstetrician with the sort of vacuum kind of scenario. So then Hamish was born. During your labour then, did you draw on any of your yoga experience and knowledge? Yeah, I I just think it was pretty – I was just trying to survive there. (laughs) Like I had all these plans, you know, like I had the oil burner ready to go and all my um, posters of the rainforest put up on the walls and, you know, I think Travis did put them up and and the music and everything. But like, whoa, man, once you were in it, I was just in it, you know. And I think what really did help me – in my labour was just really being able to endure it, just having that ability just to go through it and and stay particularly focused on it as well. You know, I didn't really, I don't think I did anyway, sort of freak out or anything like that. Just staying with each contraction and, yeah, using a lot of breathing, although I'm not sure if it was um, any sort of yoga breathing I was doing. It was just uh, trying to breathe, basically, (laughs) just trying to keep it conscious. And, yeah, I think it was more just my endurance to get through it and just to do what had to be done. It was like, you know, freaking out is not going to help the situation. I just have to stay with it and continue to be with the process one step after the next. And I think that's what helped. It really helped me, I think, not choose, not sort of go down the um, analgesia or the, you know, pain relief or gas. So I just, I really wanted to stay present with what was actually, what was actually happening. and. I managed to do that, that through the through the process, through the whole birthing process, um, which I was pretty happy about because then, you know, after that I was just really able to be there when he was born as well and just to be really present and just uh, amazed basically. And so you mentioned that you had just opened a new studio space. So you had an established Mysore program full of students how did you manage that did you take maternity leave I did yeah it was a big time a lovely lovely teacher who many of you might know Kiri Sutherland from New Zealand came over and covered my classes for well she came a month before my due date and stayed for two months afterwards and then Amanda Ferris also covered my classes as well she I think did another two months and then I then started teaching again so I had in all I had about four months four months off and then I went back a couple of days a week and I had other support I had great support I mean Tina Tina and Sarah as well she also helped cover my classes yeah so I sort of came back gradually and I built back up from I think I was two days for a month and then I went back up to three days and then you know, months later I was back on five. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a challenge. It was an interesting time though because so Hamish was born, he was a big baby. He was like 3.9 kilo or something like that. He wanted a lot of feeding, put it that way. <laughs> so, um, you know, oh, geez, those nights, they were just crazy. You know, like I, I can't believe it. how much milk he wanted to drink all the time. <laughs> it was amazing. So, you know, when I went back to teaching, I'd be up at quarter to five expressing milk and Travis would be making me tea and toast, getting myself ready to go and having been up as well a couple of times during the night as well. Oh, golly, then I'd be back home by 10, really ready to feed him, (laughs) like very full, full breasts. Yeah, you just just do it as, as it comes along really and do the best you can. Had you already returned to practice when you started teaching again? Uh, Yes, I had, just a little bit. So basically I took six weeks completely off after 
the birth. And then I did start just doing very gentle, you know, just Serena Mascara A. And I can remember that first, my first few practices, like sitting Baddha Padmasana and going, oh, my golly, I can't hold my toes. <laughs> my toes were like nowhere to be seen. Yeah, so a lot of changes and just really I was so exhausted and I just took it really slowly. So I think, you know, when three months rolled around, I started to pick it up a little bit more, but I started doing a little bit at six weeks, but just very slowly. How was that transition into motherhood? What were your expectations and how different were your expectations to what the reality of being a mother was like? Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, really, I didn't have a lot of expectations, to be honest. And, you know, I wasn't someone who was pining to be a mother or anything like that. You know, I didn't have any big sort of, um, you know, during my 30s and 20s, I, I was very much on my own trip. So, you know, coming to motherhood then in, I just turned, I'd turned 41 the week before Hamish was born. And, you know, it was a big shift. It was a massive shift. I had four decades to myself, basically. Then comes along this little person who just wants all of my time. So at the same time, it was, it was such an intense experience. So even though they wanted all, <laughs> he wanted all my time, it was such an amazing experience of love and connection, and just to this little, this little being suddenly being my son. And it was so, I was so overwhelmed at times, this feeling of responsibility, and also this intense feeling of of love towards this little little fella. You know, who's just uh, suddenly there. Motherhood, like I didn't give a lot of thought to motherhood as such, but I guess I just went on my feelings and just tried to address each phase as as best I could you know and and everyone was always telling me just don't worry this will pass this will pass you know like just everything changes so much all the time and just knowing that that change so and trying to be there with him it's so hard because you're at the same time so sleep deprived like I was so sleep deprived but you know Hamish was one of those babies who didn't for the first three months, I couldn't put him to sleep without rocking him or if it, unless he was on me in some some form, basically. I was so sick and tired of people telling me, you know, yeah, you can rest when the baby's sleeping. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm ready to hit the next person who says that to me. And because Hamish basically didn't sleep unless he was in the carrier on me, you know, being bounced or in the pram, me walking around the neighbourhood. But what I did do, which was a lifesaver, was I actually got a hammock <laughs> so I could keep bouncing him and he didn't have to be actually physically on me and so I could I could bounce him and be reading or doing something beside him and have a bit of a have a bit of a rest motherhood is what it is it's it's an amazing experience it's got so many ups and so many downs and you just have to keep on keep focused and keep on moving moving ahead and keeping the little person as the main focus really and how long did you breastfeed for? Breastfed for about 18 months. And was that his choice or your choice that the breastfeeding stopped? Yeah, it was his choice. I was doing a, um, I've done these retreats up in Queensland at Mission Beach and we were up there. It was the August and it was just all so amazing. You know, we were staying in this house that was like, you know, right the beach and it was right there and the waves. You could hear the sound of the waves in the house and he was just completely 
amazed <laughs> in awe of this. So he just basically, and I think he was also exhausted. So the last breastfeed that I had, I think, was the evening breastfeed. And um, he just decided he didn't want it. A lot more exciting things going on. That was that. Breastfeeding was always very easy for me, from what I can remember. And getting him to reduce feeds and things like that was not a problem either. He, he loved being breastfed, obviously. <laughs> but um, once he stopped, he didn't want to go back either. He was quite ready to finish up. So you maintained your MySore program for so many years. How did that go, being a mother of a baby and then a small child? You know, to be to be honest, sometimes I'd get frustrated. <laughs> sometimes I'd come home after, you know, and all I'd want to do was to be with my baby, basically. And I used to be like, right, I'm not doing any studio, other studio things today. No trying to do newsletters while he was sleeping. <laughs> or, you know, like I remember doing many newsletters with him in the carrier, sort of bouncing whilst I was trying to type. And I often, I often used to feel a little bit like I just want to spend time with, with Hamish, you know. The studio can do whatever the studio wants to do. I'll be here with, um, with Hamish. But at the same time, um, having the studio was really amazing as well because it enabled me to um, to have this sense of connection with my community, with my yoga community, and, and really do something, maintain something that I really love and really enjoy sharing with students. I was amazed that I could keep on going like I did. I think I remember saying to a student one morning, so like I'm, I'm really amazed that I'm not sick right now because you know like I'm up during the night I'm you know breastfeeding this one-year-old coming in here and having quite a large Mysore class to teach and but I just have this feeling like it's just all good like I had this beautiful little baby boy challenging but amazing and I just you know I was running a Mysore program which you know if I could just cut out all the office bits it was absolutely fantastic I think it's just the power of the connection between a mother and child as well. It gives you a lot of extra energy and it gives you a lot of extra, I don't know, I just felt so much so much in awe and in love with you know my little baby that it was almost like I could I could do that I could get up and do everything and still be okay you know not get sick and how was it each morning leaving Hamish Travis is incredibly supportive I think he really enjoyed those mornings at home with Hamish with me going and doing my thing so what used to happen was Hamish got a little bit older Hamish would wake up at five, basically. Even though I'd try to be so quiet in the house, he'd just, I think he just sensed that Travis and I were up. And so, you know, he'd want to come down and have tea and toast with us. And, you know, there was never any issue with me going at all because he was staying home with Daddy and having a nice time with him. And I often, you know, my memories of just him, Hamish and Travis, just standing out on the front porch waving me goodbye at 5.30 every morning. That's just what used to happen. It's pretty cute. And he, Hamish would get up, you know, this is a, I don't know if it was a blessing or not, but really he was waking up at 5 o'clock even through until he was 4. But it meant that he would, he had naps for a very long time <laughs> and also I would kind of enforce naps as well because it was time for me to have a bit of a breather by myself and also to do my practice as well. So what did your practice look like at that time? Yeah well you know once everything got back and I was teaching and actually at four months it's going a bit sideways here for a minute but you know they say that those first three months out of the womb are like the fourth trimester well I completely believe that because come four months was when Hamish did not need to be rocked to go to sleep anymore. I could just put him down and he would just self-settle, go to sleep. And I was in complete awe of that. I was just like, that is absolutely amazing. So, yeah, so anyway, 
I would put him down and then I would often go and jump on the, the mat. You know, it was, it was my time. He'd often sleep for two hours or more and I would just do do what I could and slowly try to build build my practice back up. Looking back at it, also in the first year of Hamish's life, Travis stopped his landscape architect work. He was at home a lot more during that time. So that gave me a little bit of leeway as well to do practice in the afternoons and help me with the yoga studio. Travis went back to work after that year and it was really Hamish's sleeps in the afternoon, which sustained my practice and everything else really. So yeah, it was primary series and also intermediate and I but I did not venture any more into it advanced. <laughs> I let that be and I've let that be for a while now. <laughs> so you were teaching five days, did that mean that you were also able to practice five days? Everything is dependent. <laughs> if I said like, you know, yeah, the idea is uh, practice, you know, five days, but like, hey, sometimes Hamish didn't want to go to sleep, did he? Or like sometimes, you know, I had the responsibility of the yoga studio as well. Like I had things to do. One thing with being a mother and with an Ashtanga yoga practice, you know, as Ashtanga practitioners, you know, I think we have the tendency to be quite controlling and, you know, quite, um, you know, of our time and everything like that. But when motherhood comes along and other responsibilities, it really turns your priorities and shifts your focus. And rather than my practice becoming what my day was about, my practice was more for supporting me in my day. And, you know, and that meant also some days um, not doing practice because I just couldn't. I was so, maybe I was so tired or Hamish wasn't sleeping. And, you know, the quicker I could let go of that thought that I was going to practice today and, oh, my golly, he's not sleeping, I'm not going to be able to practice today, the quicker I could let go of those thoughts, the happier I was I was all the time. So it's just kind of like going with what's happening on a day-by-day basis Yes, you may have the intention, but it doesn't always work out that way and it's completely okay if it doesn't work out that way. That's more of a yoga practice than trying to belt out something with a screaming baby in the background because um, as Sharat said a couple of weeks ago in his conference, in motherhood, children are always the first priority. Yoga is second and you know, yoga is, it supports you in that and, but it shouldn't become a burden or a, um, something you've got to do. Have you been back to Mysore since having Hamish? Yes, I have. We all went back when Hamish was two in 2016. Sharat was doing a teacher's program. So, um, yeah, went back. I was you know, quite excited to be taking Hamish back to Mysore. And, um, yeah, we had a great time. It was, uh, it was a good couple of months. I ended up in, you know, Hamish got sick once and ended up in hospital once, which was good. It was, he was fine. It was only my um, just wanting to make sure he was fine that, that led us to the hospital. Um, and, you know, we, yeah, we had a great time. We spent a lot of time at the Green Hotel, at the chai stand, and at the coconut stand, and visiting the flower lady. He loved getting flowers from the flower lady down on High Street Gokul. And, yeah, it was really good. It was, it was really lovely to be there and to... Uh, share all of that with him and Travis was there for the whole time as well. That is something that I think about how do you make that work with them touching everything and potentially getting sick? You just had the hand sanitizer out all the time. 
yeah, I mean, look, they're going to get sick, basically. That's just the, it's what happens, isn't it? And he did get sick. And I went through, you know, I was like, oh, my golly, I'm the worst mother. Why did I bring him here? But then it was okay. And I took him to the emergency, I think, at Apollo or something. And he was like, they're just like, oh, no, no, he's fine. So, um, you know, it was it was a lovely time and we had lots of fun. And, yeah, I just think India with all of its um, – India's great, full stop, but Mysore and Gokulam in particular, it's a very easy place to take children, really. It's, uh, it's set up for it. I haven't been back, though, since, since then, so we'll see what the future holds. When you went back that time, were you practising what you'd previously practised with Sharat? the advanced series or were you just practicing what you've been practicing at home well what I've been practicing at home and in the second month I also started adding on advanced postures so yeah that was I felt quite good about that I sort of did one month of intermediate but then you know I think I actually got a bit too enthusiastic I did actually Viparita Dandasana I actually pulled something in my back doing that and I think that was me trying to potentially move myself into a place where I wasn't currently at yeah and I I tweaked tweaked something in my back so you know I think that was a lesson for me just to always keep coming back to where I actually am not where I think I am or what I think someone else is thinking I am (laughs) so it's just always coming back to that reality of where am I actually right now and and sort of practicing from that perspective rather than anything anything else anything else really and yeah so that trip to Mysore I I did enjoy doing a bit of advance but I yeah I think that it went a bit too far. Do you think having the presence of yoga in Hamish's life impacts him as a child? Yeah for sure yeah for sure like you know he's very used to us doing yoga and he'll come along and yeah, I think last week he came along and was just trying to do some next to me and we've often sat down and he often likes to sit down and do the breathing and he's quite uh, intrigued by the chanting. We often, as for his nighttime songs, I I um, chant Om Namah Shivaya to him, which he really loves. <laughs> and, yeah, I think it's, it's just a, something in there. It's just that level of just Travis and I very much... Um, we try to make our house and try to be conscious, I guess, of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you know, that's also in how we're dealing with Hamish and how we're bringing him up in the world. We try to be conscious of that and, yeah, sort of look at different aspects of his development and, and where he's at. And yoga in, in my life helps me to reflect and to really see, I, I try to see what's what's going on clearly, you know, and try very hard to drop my stories that I might have around something. Yeah, just see clearly about what's going on for him and, and who who he is in the world and, and how we can assist him in the world. You know, we we do value a quieter lifestyle. You know, we got we do value going to bed early. <laughs> we do value uh, not being on screens a lot. We do value putting our hands in the dirt and doing gardening and we do value, you know, watching our breath and being conscious. So I think all of those things must seep into a child if he's surrounded by that. Have you had to manage the terrible twos? Have you had any challenging behaviour with Hamish and how have you managed that? Yes, he's not a – yeah, there's challenges for sure. The thing is is that – and I'm not perfect, you know, like we're just trying to do our best in everything – that goes on but you know when there is challenging behavior I guess I try to look at what's going on around him 
and what might have induced this behaviour or what might be going on or why is it that he's feeling uncomfortable? Or Because you know, often the challenging behaviour is a, is a signal that something's not right either in their environment or what's going on in their relationship or something. Yeah, you know, I mean, at different times, depending on the relate on the behaviour really, but I mean the terrible twos, I mean, yeah, tantrums, and it's just oppositional, isn't it? Like they just want to do, they just don't want to do what you want to say, what you want them to do. Travis and I, we don't just let him have free reign or anything like that. He's told what he needs to do and we, um, we follow up on it as well. We don't stand back in our parenting, I guess. We set quite clear boundaries for him and if he goes over those boundaries, we pick him up on it and we and we let him know that what we think you know is happening isn't isn't appropriate for this point in time and we'll say that quite clearly. The thing is... With parenthood, and I mean, Travis has experienced this twice because of having Bess as well. You really do have to be clear on what you're, um, what you're trying to convey to the child, and really try to put it in, you know, real sort of way that's manageable for them to understand, you know, and and also do it with a little bit of lightness as well, which is really hard. It's just like, oh, geez, I just want you to stop doing that right now. Um, but, yeah, so sometimes you do. You just got to go, stop. What are you doing? It's not the right thing to do, you know, but why? And, and try to let them know why. And also imitate good behaviour for them. If you want them to behave well and, and not to be, I don't know, you, we've got to have that in our behaviour as well and to be imitating that for them on an ongoing basis. How do they talk nicely to to people? We have to go and talk nicely to our neighbour and um, make sure we're kind and considerate ourselves in our relationship. You know, the way I talk to Travis, I can't expect Hamish to be kind and considerate if I'm not talking kindly and considerately to Travis. So there's a lot going on, yeah, in there. But, yeah, we definitely are into um, correcting his bad behaviour. Has yoga helped you through parenting? Oh, just to be able to realise, just to be able to sit on the bed and breathe, just to realise it's not, you know, that this is just a, a phase or it's just development and, you know, just to settle it down and just to even if something's going on and, like, he's really not happy and he's crying and kicking and, you know, got to come up to his room and bring him up here, just to be able to sit with him and just to be able to hold him or something and, and just breathe with him and, and bring that level of groundedness and not be sort of heady about it and reactive, I guess. I think that's the big thing, isn't it? Not just to be react all the time against him, whereas just to stop for a moment, breathe. What is this? What's going on? Also, I can help him going forward in whatever it is, his little something, his little trait that's going on or something that's ticking him off. You know, what is it? How can we actually manage it? It doesn't help at all if I'm reactive, which you often feel like doing, you know, like if kids are yelling at you or anything. It takes a lot to kind of pause, take a breath, don't let your shoulders get all tight. Look at this little fella. What's going on for him? Really try to work it, work it out and, and we'll look at him really kindly and try to help him through a difficult situation so yeah yoga really helps that that ability to stop look at where your mind is racing to you know take a breath don't be tense like what are you tense about you're in a try to come down to a a place where you can actually make a difference sounds like teaching as well oh yeah for sure yes observe 
Yeah, you know, and like I also learned in nursing, you know, like my nursing background, I, one of the things I used to like was, you know, making out nursing plans, you know, you've got to observe the patient, <laughs> you have to sort of look at them and, and not just rush in and react to the situation unless it's an emergency, obviously, but like observe and see what's going on for someone, you know, look at their how they're holding themselves, look at their face, look at the colour of their skin look at how their eyes are looking or whatever and plan your action as a result of your observation not as a result of your reactivity i think that's very important in my source style teaching as well how has the practice looked because hamish is that little bit older now have you had more time to dedicate to the practice not really. <laughs> it's just, you just start think, oh, yes, you know, wait till they start school or kinder. But this, you know, it's just life really, isn't it? And I think, you know, I'm approaching, I'm 47 now, 50 is not too far away. You know, so I'm a very different person than when I started the practice back when I was 27. And so, you know, just because I've got more time doesn't mean I'm going to be trying to um, climb back into advanced postures. So my practice is I basically try to do an hour, an hour or an hour and 15 most days. And that is a good length of time for me. And it allows me to also make sure I have times for other things that I I like. I prioritise in my life, like making bread, (laughs) cooking and gardening and um, doing all those other things I wasn't doing when I was 26. And also, and just caring for my family and being being a mother as well, making sure I a present for Hamish in a way. I'm, I'm not too tired, you know. I, I I don't really want to when he gets home from school at three thirty. I don't want to be exhausted. I want to be awake and uh, ready to ready to have some fun with him and um, and chat and and be present with what's going on for him. So my practice at the moment, yeah, an hour hour fifteen. I mostly do primary I sometimes I do sometimes push it out to an hour and a half if I feel like it I sometimes step into a bit of intermediate as well I try to just do what feels good for me on that day and sometimes I take longer and I just do up to Janu Shishasana A and that takes me an hour and 15 minutes which I also find rather nice and were you happy to just have one child or was there ever thoughts or plans for a second yeah interesting question um I really wasn't that interested I guess in my 20s and I actually thought you know I always thought oh no maybe I'll have one child so you know maybe that that's it and you know I was very fortunate that in my 40s I was able to do that uh you know having since had Hamish I kind of occasionally my mind thinks oh it might have been nice to have had another child such lovely little um little fellas yeah I don't really think it, it was probably appropriate for me given my life situation. I think one, you know, I sort of think during that time with Hamish and running the yoga studio, I would probably wouldn't have been able to run the yoga studio if I'd had a second child. It would have been that or the, one or the other. And it really didn't occur to me at that time and to even be thinking about that and it probably wouldn't have fit in with our, fitted in with our, our family as a whole as well. So, yeah, I'm pretty stoked really to have the opportunity to have Hamish. Practicing when you're 47. Yes. Have you had any changes in your body? Well, that's maybe that's why I'm, you know, I spend an hour and a half going to Janushishasana A some days. <laughs> yeah, you know, there are heaps of changes. Well, I don't know if it's just, you know, there seems to be a little bit more dryness or so, a stiffness in the upper body, but I'm not sure if that's just a result of, you know, basically 19 years 
Mysore style teaching <laughs> coupled with child rearing in my 40s and uh, all the bending forward that has to happen. But yeah, look, I, I noticed that I just feel like being a lot slower and I feel like being a lot more intuitive and letting things run on more of a subtle layer, you know, sort of just a bit quieter, I guess, in my practice than I would have been in my 30s and 20s. And realising what makes me feel good, to be honest, doing um, half primary really probably most days often makes me feel just as good as doing full primary. You know, it's just it's just, just as good basically <laughs> and it's, um, it allows me to do a little bit more with my day. I value a lot more just the inner focus that practice gives me. I value the, the inner sort of inner quiet and inner peacefulness that goes along with practice rather than the physical as such. And I really highly, um, you know, if I've practiced for the day, I feel like I have have a settledness in my body and in my, in my being, which doesn't quite come if I don't practice. So, and that inner settledness can come from just doing Surin Mascara A and B and sitting down and breathing, or it can come from going up to Trikonasana and then just sitting down and breathing and having a rest. That inner settledness is really what I'm looking for so that that can support me in my life, really, in my family life and in my um, relationship with Hamish and Travis and Bess as well, my stepdaughter. I guess after nearly 25 years of practising, you've got a bit of a bank to draw on. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Sometimes I pull out a posture if I want to demonstrate something to someone. But, but you know, it's just I just go on what feels good, really, and practice feels good. And my practice probably doesn't look nearly what it looked like when I was 30 or even 40. It's still serving its purpose for me at the moment, and I think that's that's the most important thing for me you know, in, in my stage of life. And I think, you know, we change you know, we can't stay the same, even though we want to stay the same, we always are changing and our practice is changing as well, you know, and I think we owe it to ourselves as Ashtanga practitioners not to be dogmatic or not to hold on to some perfect form of what we think practice is, because that will only lead to, in my view, disappointment in the long term, if you're going to stick at it for years, which you want to, you want to stick at it for years, because that's where the benefit is. I think this might be my last question. So recently had a big life change in Ashtanga Yoga Melbourne where you let go of holding the space. Talk us through that decision. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was was big. It was almost bigger than having a child, really. (laughs) It it just was a series of events. So it happened last April, April 2019. And, you know, I guess I'd been um, for a while there Hamish had just started prep. I was starting to feel a little bit tired, to be honest. And, you know, I wasn't thinking of actually letting the studio go, but I was starting to feel tired and a little bit over coming into the city on a daily basis and everything that goes on with that. And just wanting my teaching of practice to just wanting to simplify things, I guess. And the opportunity came, my landlords in the, the building, they approached me and on our floor where the yoga studio was, there was a big architect firm behind us and they were just expanding, expanding as architects do. <laughs> they basically wanted the yoga studio floor space so they asked me if I was willing to let go of my lease earlier. And, um, you know, after some thought I, uh, I agreed and it just felt like a really maybe, you know, it was a really good time for me and I just just to sort of step back from that teaching 
identity for myself for a little bit and just really, you know, spend my time focusing on family and Hamish starting school and, yeah, just bring it back to me a little bit more rather than having my energy spread thinly and just bringing it back to me and using it as a time to reassess how I wanted to teach and where I wanted to teach and what that was really going to look like. And I was very fortunate to been able to have some time to think about that. I know it was a shock for a lot of people because they, you know, everyone's just like, Karen's going to teach forever, there forever. But, you know, like basically nothing is forever really, you know, especially with city real estate, nothing is forever, that's for sure. And things just ebb and flow. And so I, after April, April last year, I had most of last year off from teaching. I just did some small group teaching for some of my regular students and Peter Sanson still came over, and this year I've started teaching again, but on a um, on a smaller scale. Simple, simple is better, is my motto, and just and teaching smaller classes as well, where I can feel that I can really be there and guide people in their practice. Well, it's been really lovely talking to you today, getting a sense of the early days in Mysore and then your journey through motherhood and also the practice. So thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, Gaynor. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the seventh series. Please help us to reach more people by sharing episodes on social media, subscribing, rating and reviewing the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify or iHeartRadio. Head over to the website sevenseries.net for more information on the show and our guests. You can contact me through the website or on Instagram or Facebook. If you have any feedback you'd like to share with me or a guest you'd like me to interview, please join me again for another episode of the 7th Series.